Resuming. Weird. World. Order. Broadcast. Dynatherms connected. Initiating broadcast signal in... Gentlemen and Knights of the Nerd World Order, this is the Nerd World Order broadcast. I am the man that you call Dukes. And to my right, it's all about the Booyah. What's up? It's your boy Joe. Baby. And to my other other right, coming in at 178 adamantium filled pounds, coming straight out of Krakoa, Alfonso X Man Flores. Everybody's always trying to tell me how my life's supposed to go. Nah, I'm gonna do my own thing. And here Alfonso is doing his own thing on the Nerd World Order broadcast. Ladies, gentlemen, and knights of the Nerd World Order, strap on your web slingers, your web shooters, and get ready for a spoiler-filled conversation for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Uh, this was a great movie. It opened up big. There was a lot of anticipation uh, but we'll let Alfonso X-Man Flores bring you up to speed on the previous Spider-Verse movie. All right. At the end of Into the Spider-Verse, you have Miles Morales, you know, pulling the lever or pushing the button, taking out Wilson Fisk, Fisk, Fisk? wow, and destroying the Collider, which is supposed to make it so that other people from other universes cannot come through or go through or be mixed up, whatnot. And shuts everything down. Everything goes back to normal. But, you know, he leaves off missing poor Gwanda. Gwanda. Gwen. Remember? Hi. Um, I'm G Gw Gwen. Wanda. Gwanda? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, so, for me personally, I didn't go into this movie expecting something i would enjoy i think i expressed concern before that there was going to be a lot of uh too many spider-mans and it was just going to be really confusing and it wouldn't be easy to follow i'll say overall i thought that the plot was a little bit too complicated a little bit too bloated but i don't feel like they could have done it any other way in order to get where they did by the end of the movie but i really enjoyed the movie i liked all the characters um so i thought it was a great transition from the the first one great setup for the third one what do you think joe yeah i i like i think we had talked about this on a previous podcast like whether or not we were kind of hyped up to watch it so i went in you know kind of hyped up more hyped up than normal even though marvel through phase four i know we keep saying this let us all down mm -hmm. so i was kind of looking forward to it um the way they did it with all the spider-mans in there was my concern as well but i like how they did it they showed like a grip of Spider-Mans, but they only had certain ones that they used that they brought in. And, you know, like it was pretty cool. You know, like we'll go into more detail, but, you know, just the Spider-Mans who grew up with like the 1970s made an appearance, the the really popular, spectacular Spider-Man cartoon. Spider-Man showed up, you know, so um, definitely a good transition from the first one to the second. And the second one, you know, you had mentioned it to me. It was like Empire Strikes Back. And I asked you, whoa empire strike back for me was like better than the first one of star wars but you said you know what i'm talking about at the you know when you watch the movie and at the end of the movie i'm like oh, i get it now yeah you know i wasn't really a fan of empire until i watched it later in the end of the movie i was like whoa like it made me want to watch jedi right away and luckily <laughs> i could just stream the next one but um, yeah, this movie left me on the edge of my seat and it felt like everyone was in peril. And I was like, let's get going. Let's why do we have to wait till 2024? They should have filmed it like The Matrix, uh, greatest sequel of all time, in which they simultaneously filmed the second and third one. Yeah, I'm going to say uh, this thing was like. Oh my gosh. I, I, I like the cliffhanger. I've had people tell me that they were not excited about this cliffhanger, but uh, you know, you're ready for more. You know, it's like you get to a point where you're like, man, this movie's a little long. And then you start getting invested again and you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Wait, no. 
So I'm going to throw a question out there to you guys. And uh, spoiler, spoiler alert, ladies, gentlemen, and knights, I'm going to give you a fast X spoiler. That was a cliffhanger too. So the summer's given us two cliffhangers. Who had the better cliffhanger? Spider-Verse or Fast X? Well, I didn't watch Fast X, so I'm going to go with Spider-Verse. <laughs> unless, unless what I see online is true, that Optimus Prime showed up, I'm still going to go with Spider-Verse. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, um, I I would have to say the Spider Verse, and the reason why I say that is we we kind of already know what the Fast Eleven is going to be. It's going to be the same old car racing, spectacular stunts, and you know cameos again, stuff like that. Where Spider Man Two, it left us like, where do they go from there? You got like. Miles, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, where Miles is like the prowler. And, you know, like for me, I'm like working, where are they going to go with this? Is is he going to be the villain with Spot? Are they going to team up? Or is he going to end up being a good prowler that ends up helping Miles Morales get back? You know, what does Spot do in the next movie? So I'm kind of looking forward to that because you don't know where they're going to take it. You know, are they going to... You know, what if Toby ends up in that one? What is what if Tom Harlan is ends up in that one or Andrew Garfield? Like we we don't know what to expect. We're fast eleven. We are, we kind of already know the gifs of where they're going with it. Hey, I, I kinda wanted to bring up I want to touch on your uh, the whole prowler thing. Dude, there was a couple things in there. Like, okay, I, I watched the movie twice. I went, you know, opening night with some friends, and then I had to go Saturday again with my kids. All right. The second time when I went Saturday, I noticed something. So when Miles crawled into that window that night of his bedroom and he puts on his jacket before his mom pops in, that jacket was green and purple, which are the Prowler's colors. Right. And I was like, oh, oh. And I was like, I didn't want to say anything to my kids, you know, because you know, I don't want to mess it up for him. But I was like, oh, oh, oh. And then uh, later on, I also saw when um, I saw a TikTok, actually, because they, they explain everything where. Miles, the first time he meets Spider-Man, the very first time he meets Spider-Man, the one that died, when Spider-Man's spider sense went off, it was blue and red. And then you look at Miles and his spider sense went off and it was it was green and purple. And then it went back to Spider-Man and it went back to Miles and Miles all of a sudden turned to red and blue. So it's like he his whole you, you could tell that, you know, what was meant for him had changed. And it was like, whoa, that was that was pretty deep, impactful. Which Spider-Man died? Uh, the one, the original Spider-Man from Miles's universe, they he that original Spider-Man, like he met up with him. It was played by um, Chris Pine, and he met. He was blonde. He met up with him, and he's like, he's like, whoa, you're just like me. And he goes, all right, kid, I'm gonna teach you how to do all this stuff, but I gotta go stop this first. And then he went off, and he got killed. And Miles was like, oh man, how am I gonna learn how to be Spider-Man, right? And and then that's when Ben Parker, or not Ben Parker, but the other Peter Parker came, and then all the other guys came from the other universe, and that and he showed them how to be Spider-Man. But yeah, the the Spider-Man from that world, that Earth, what is it? It's not forty-two. It's whatever that one is. Six. No. Anyways, he had died. You know, um, it was it was weird. Yeah, there was a whole. I mean, I can't remember. You don't remember it because there was a there's a whole press conference. You know, Jay Jonas Saint Jameson talking crap. Mary Jane was like he was more than a husband. He was a hero, and and then they even referenced it in this new movie where um, who was it? Uh, oh, Miguel O'Hara was telling me he's like he's like your Spider Man was supposed to live because he met you. He died, and you changed everything because he's basically trying to call him an anomaly. And and you know he probably wanted to go after Miles in the first place, anyways. But it seemed like the other Spider Man talked him down. I mean that's just what I got out of that conversation. But I don't know. Yeah, um, I, I do recall that now. So thank you, Alfonso, for you know bringing me back up to speed. I guess I should have watched the last one before I watched this one. It's interesting because uh, I did also see that TikTok, and I just said scroll, 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 because you know I'm not invested in TikTok like other people are. Um, one of the things about this is, um, you know, how would you guys say? It compares to the first one, Alfonso. Yeah, um, man, I I love the first one. The first one, I mean, it was a game changer. You know, the the different art styles mer merging into one, you know, big movie. Um, even like 
the frame rate was different for Miles originally when he was learning how to use um, his spider webs, right? You got you got the Peter Parker Spider Man that was you know the the hobo Spider Man like we like to call him. He was he was going around and he was at the proper frame rate for cartoons nowadays. And uh, Miles, as he's trying to figure it out and shooting it off his web with you know the one hand, it was the frame rates were a little slower, and so you can see it was a little more choppy. And as he got to learn how to use it, as he figured it out, his frame rate changed in the middle of that. I mean, I'm learning so much stuff about this stuff. I mean, I know things about frame rate and everything, but the fact that they just, that's those subtle things that they do in these movies, amazing. You know, spectacular. It's actually web of. Ah, see what I did there? No. Anyway, this new movie, um, it, there was so much in it. There's so much, and I, I, I didn't get overwhelmed. You know, there were things were like, oh, 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 you know, I, I was pointing things out left and right in my brain. I'm like, I got to watch this like five more times just to figure out who everybody is. But then there were things that I didn't recognize. And I was so OK with that. You know what I mean? Um, this movie had a lot of heart. The first one did, too. I I'm going to say they're pretty damn equal because, I mean, I can't. It's like they just they they fall on top of each other. I really feel that they're they're just as good as the other. And I'm OK with that. So, ladies, gentlemen, and knights, if you're ready to take your first shot, we ask Alfonso to choose one, and he refuses. So thank you, Alfonso, for being, if nothing else, consistent, uh, unlike Spider-Punk. So I'm going to jump in and say, when I talked to Joe initially, I said, you know what? I put this one behind the first one, but I thought about it, and I said this movie, to Alfonso's point, could say it had heart i feel like this movie had an emotional connectedness that i didn't get in the first one because i look at it like this you remember what it's like to be an annoying teenager through miles morales but at the same time you can identify with the parents and so it's like for me i could put myself in both places and I could see my kid and Miles Morales. And I definitely saw myself in the dad. And, you know, the mom was just awesome. So I'm going to have to say I like this one better. Because, first of all, the visuals, the artistic style. Um, for me, Spider-Punk, his artistic style, dude, that just made the whole movie. Because it was so fresh, original, and it just popped out like... I'm like, I may want to see this in 3D just so I can see Spider-Punk to see if he is even more visually amazing than he is right now in 2D, possibly 1D. I don't know. Triple D, I don't know. Um, yeah, so I'm giving it. I'm making the decision. I'm throwing it down. I'm saying this one is better than the first one. Joe. Yeah, you know. We we had discussed that, and I, I'm glad I swayed your um, decision there, buddy. But the more I thought about it, I think I might make you think about changing it a little bit. Um, what they did right in this one that I very much enjoyed is they started off with Gwen. So they gave you kind of like her origin story in the beginning, like the first 10, 15 minutes, I think it was. Um, I enjoyed that. I thought that was really cool how they started off with her. And then it goes back to Miles. I, I appreciate how they gave the mom more screen time where the first one was like about, you know, mostly the dad. And so like, I felt like they created her character more, more in, in tune to who she was and a parent. Uh, makes me wonder if the third one, if they're going to start off with um, the Peter that trained him. What if they start off like that? where he starts talking about what had happened and stuff like that. And it transitions because the first one's miles and it's Gwen and it'd be cool if it's Peter. Cause those are the three main um, people in that series. The, the one thing when I think about it is I do think it's better than the, the first one, you know, because of the story and, and to Alfonso's point, the heart, but some of the issues that I had with it, it, it it's, it's this. So you're, Miguel tells him you're an abnormality. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be Spider-Man in that universe. My question is when he saved the Indian Spider-Man's dad, you saw that, you know, the, um, the little hole in the ground where it was tearing up the reality or their, their world. Why didn't it happen when, you know, he became Spider-Man 
because it changed. They Here's didn't... why. I'm sorry to mean to cut you off, bro. That's okay. Because that was one of the challenges for me because there's anomalies mm-hmm. and then there's canon. Yeah. The difference is in lazy a canon... writing. Don't mean to cut you off. Lazy writing. No, no, it's okay. In this episode, we will cut each other off. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, No, but there's basically, that was kind of one of my things. Mm -hmm. Canon is one storyline. You change canon, that's when you mess stuff stuff up. Mm -hmm. The only anomaly that ever existed, which was not the same thing as changing canon, was Miles. So that's why. Go ahead, Alfonso. But you're you're also kind of dictating what you choose as an anomaly and what you don't. So how do you how can you sit there and say if he rescues his dad that that's not canon? No, I, I get what you're saying. But before you, you, you go, pick and choose what you want canon and and anomaly, right? And that's the whole argument in the movie. That's awesome. But what I do want to say is when the spot was explaining that he grabbed the Earth forty two. Um, spider and brought it over to Miles's universe. You saw that spider creeping up on somebody, and you didn't realize at the time, but that person that he was creeping up with, you see his back, it's all those braids. It was Miles anyway. So that universe was supposed to have Miles as Spider Man. That spider was going to Miles. So that's again, it's from a different universe that's not supposed to be there, that is creating. That's so pretty much that spider is an anomaly. Well, yeah, in Miles' universe, but in, yeah. in that universe, he was supposed to actually bite Miles still. But you but you know what's funny is you you've got all this going on with Miguel O'Hara, Miles Morales, Gwen Stefani. Or, sorry. <laughs> They're all, I mean, every other person back there is a Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Why are all these people in charge of the narrative when you've got so many Peter Parkers back behind them? Well, see, that's that's another thing. That spider. That that they took from forty two, that creates an anomaly because it's not there to bite. So you see what I'm saying? So it's like because if that's supposed to be the Miles Morales that turns into Spider Man in that universe, Mm -hmm. you just brought him into a different universe. How does that not create an anomaly? Oh, it does because that's not canon. It's it's what they choose when they want to do canon. Yeah, I I just wanted to bring up the fact that it was heading for a Miles Morales. So just after he brought it, you know what I mean? We don't know if that spider was going to do that in his world. If in fact, he's the only Miles Morales. It was that close. But it's the only, that's, it's, that's just like that whole end game thing. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, time travel is this and this and that. (laughs) And that's the same thing when you start doing anomalies and what's canon, what's not canon. You know, and another thing I, I, it blew my mind is like, if you remember Dr. Strange too, where, she says, you're from 616. Mm-hmm. And then what does Miguel say? Don't get me started at Dr. Strange and that Spider-Man from 1999-99. Right. Then it goes back to, it goes back to when, I don't remember her name, please forgive me. She plays Miss Marvel, where there's a book right. that says it's 1999-99, which right, she right. says that's the universe that they're in. It's not 616. Right. I think the MCU is going to change that because it wouldn't make sense to make it 616 because 616 is the comic book. It's reality. It's the comic book world that we know and love. Well, that just explains why phase four sucks. (laughs) But it's just like, it does like if we were all from different universes, I would say I'm from the prime universe. You would say you're from the prime universe. Dukes would say he's from the prime universe. We would all think that. I don't know how it's resolved who is. So I'm going to address Joe's canon are the things in a story that always have to happen. Why, if the Prowler didn't die, Spider-Man's story, as I think maybe you explained this to me, Joe. Spider-Man, regardless of the universe, always has to experience a tragic loss. Always. So there are certain things that every Spider-Man story has to have. That's canon. Always canon. That's pretty much saying no matter what universe you're in, your story always has to go this way, no matter what. So canon being an anomaly, which is even in that universe where there, since there was no Spider-Man in that universe, like they don't have to worry about canon because there's like no Spider-Man. But in the universe where there is an anomaly, they still have to follow canon. They're completely separate ideas. 
So to me, they're they're not necessarily, you know, picking and choosing when to do it. Just the opposite. What they were saying is you always have to follow canon because the story always has to be the same. You always have to have that tragic loss, whether it be like Uncle Ben, so he lost his uncle or the captain. It always has to follow that same storyline. Um, I don't know enough about like Miguel O'Hara to know if he followed that same storyline, but that's neither here nor there. Um, now you're right. You you point you basically said, bro, um phase four sucked. Phase four was the biggest biggest experiment, and we're just gonna do what we want to do. So when they said that that was Earth 616, it was wrong. And now I feel like they're trying to fix it, which is why they said it so many times. They're like, hey. Uh, you know, Doctor Strange was from 199999, which is going back to how it was before. So I look at it like this. Alfonso basically said in every universe, you think you have the prime universe, but your universe is not going to have the same name. So basically they were all saying like, hey, this is my universe's number. Everybody knows it's a different number. But what they're saying is when they did that whole thing with Doctor Strange, they identified the wrong number. So, um, yeah, dude, I didn't have the problem with which you did, but I feel like the story did get a little bloated, uh, which was my only takeaway or thing that I could say bad about the movie. However, I do got a question for you guys. Now I'll start with you, Alfonso. Is yes. this the best sequel that you've ever seen? It's tough. Cause it's so fresh. I'm going to, I'm at this point, I'm going to say yes until I can actually stand back and really look at everything. But at this point, I'm definitely say, yeah, it's my favorite right now. Wow, dang, Joe, Joe looked disappointed in that answer. But at least you, <laughs> you picked a side. Because <laughs> I was thinking, like, man, is he gonna make a decision or is he not? <laughs> is he just gonna be like, oh, you know, and then run us down to every Spider-Man movie that made that you know that <laughs> that that was created. As far as Spider-Man goes, I would say I absolutely love the second Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Like for me, that's the best Spider-Man movie of all time. So I'm going to put that one above this one. As far as sequels go, we have The Matrix Reloaded. <laughs> you could have muted your mic when you laughed, Alfonso. Sorry, sorry, Joe, sorry. Joe muted his mic when he laughed. That's rude. <laughs> And of course, we have Captain America Winter Soldier. I don't put it as the greatest sequel and not even the best Spider-Man sequel. What do you think, Joe? I, I What makes it good for me, you know, now if we touched on it, is the, just the animation. Like every time they brought in a new character and or villain, the animation changes. And you just get lost in animation. Like you just watch it. You just like, oh, yeah, that's right. There's still a story going on. You just like certain angles and just for me, you're, you're, I'm more invested in this Miles Morales, which is dope for us. You know what I mean? It's dope for us. He's like, he's our Spider-Man and it's just cool to see him, you know, come into shape of him being Spider-Man, you know, from the beginning and we get to see him from the beginning and, he, and you can see where he's going or where he's at now and where he's going to go. So for me, like Alfie touched on it, it's like it's the last Spider-Man movie that I watch, and it's really good. And so I think if I watch it again, which I will, I'm gonna like it even more. But I, I you know, honestly, I thought Far From Home for me, you know, just because of the, the nostalgia of Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield was just so huge for me. I didn't think there'd be something that's gonna be coming any close to that as far as a Spider-Man movie, and I was wrong. Wow. Before we get too far off on on the this one subject, I wanted to bring a couple things up uh, as far as uh, the whole captain thing. You know, they're talking about how the captain thing is the whole is such a uh, canon event. But this is it's new. I mean, Uncle Ben is as canon as you get for Spider-Man. The whole captain thing, it's like. Didn't they, did it did it feel like they were just thrusting that upon us? Did you get that feeling? Yeah, I felt I felt so too because I'm like Uncle. See, you're you're trying to trick us <laughs> because everyone thought it was Uncle Ben. It, yeah. Now you're trying to say it's Uncle Ben dying, 
Oh, but it's also like a captain. If they go to captain, they die too. And it's just like, wait, what? You know, and then, you know, like now in the comics, the um, I don't know if they changed it, but, you know, like when they broke down Peter Parker's parents, they were both agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right, and right. They, you know, they got murdered. And so, you know, like every Spider-Man, it's it's weird because they made it sound like every Spider-Man in there had a captain. They're, yeah. They don't. The only captain that I can think of is Gwen Stacy's dad, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And then Gwen's dad. And then Miles' dad now. I mean, it's yeah, like Miles' dad. That's it, though. Yeah. So I'm wondering to your point, you probably just answered the question. They're just doing the captain thing because his dad's a captain. Right. Right. <laughs> and then and then the other thing I wanted to ask you guys about, uh, the whole part where they're talking about the captains being a canon event and they're showing them the videos or what the images of all this happening. And they showed Andrew Garfield holding Dennis Leary and he's, you know, he's dying and he's crying and he looks up and then, and miles looked over to the Peter Parker and he's like, did that happen to you? Was, was that because he's Andrew Garfield or was it just because he was talking about the same event? First, I had to go back. I was going back and forth in my mind. I probably missed like two, four more, four more minutes of the movie because I was so lost in that conundrum. What do you, did you guys think that was the same? I think he was just asking him, has he suffered like that? Yeah. Because that's the captain was in the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. It didn't happen in the Tobey Maguire one, right? Nope. No captains. Yeah. Captain so Crunch. I think. I think they just added that. You know, it's kind of weird because I thought his uncle dying as a prowler was the significance of Uncle Ben for him because he was really close to his uncle. Yep. So for me, that's where I thought that's where his. But you remember I, I had told you, I think I told you, Alan, or maybe my son, that he was going to have to, the whole thing was him having to pick whether or not he wants to, he was going to, they're going to let him save his dad. And it was pretty much was that movie. Right. <laughs> yeah, there was there was no captain in in most Spider-Man versions, but I was okay with that. I just took it as creative liberty, but yeah, it was like that never happened. Joe's absolutely correct. Aunt May had to die in the 199999 universe because she was the equivalent of Uncle Ben in that universe, you know, and and the Prowler was the uncle in that universe. So that was just some very bad writing, you know, because right. it, yeah. So yeah, you're right. I can't argue with that. Yeah, but, uh, but <laughs> I'm okay with it. Like usually when Marvel does bullarky stuff like that, it just makes me mad. Basically again, I think we say it's phase four, but with, with this movie, like I'm okay with it. It didn't affect me too much, you know, just, the overall story didn't those little details that I do mention, it doesn't bug me enough to think that this movie is bad. Speaking of the movie being bad, there were a lot of Spider-Mans in this movie. Who was your favorite Spider-Man? I'll start off. I'll start off because I love Spider-Punk, but mm -hmm. being a guy who collected comic books in the nineties when <laughs> everything blew up. Uh, the Scarlet spider was so perfect as far as like, that's like, my son was like, that guy was stupid. He was annoying. I'm like, that's <laughs> how heroes were in the nineties. And they just captured that. It. It, it was, it was like, dude, like I was like, dude, they, they basically made a Rob Liefeld character <laughs> they did. and put him on the big screen. So I love that. He was my favorite. I'll turn it over to you guys. I love that. <laughs> you know, um, Ben Riley. he was, he was voiced by, uh, <laughs> he was voiced by Andy Sandberg and he, I think he went a little heavy with it. <laughs> you know, I don't think it had to be that, but now that you're saying that it's like a Rob Liefeld character, I, I totally see that now. Um, and one big complaint I've had about all these Spider-Verse movies, all two of them so far, is the fact that we haven't had the 616 Spider-Man, the one we we all know and grew love and grew up with, uh, the actual Peter Parker. He's he hasn't been in any of these movies yet. So like he doesn't even, you know, doesn't he's not part of this story. But is that Ben Riley, the one from Earth 616? Because that's what happened. You know, the, the Jackal cloned him. You know, made him and he's like oh well i'm sorry i'm spider-man he's like well i can still do some good i got the powers and you know i got the brain you know i got the memories 
I'll just dye my hair and call myself uh, Ben after Uncle Ben, and I'll use Aunt May's uh, maiden name Riley. So I'll be Ben Riley. And he went. He goes off to like I don't know Texas or something. Who knows? But uh, he was he was fun to watch. I really loved the costume and everything from back then. And he, and when he showed up, it was the nostalgia just hit me like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. But I gotta tell you, <laughs> Spider Punk killed it for me. He was he was absolutely amazing. You know. Um, his artwork was just, it was so like classic, um, you know, punk rock from, uh, from Britain where you've got, you've got somebody posting something on the wall, gluing it over. And then somebody throws something on top of it and glue it over. And then, you know, all the, all the multimedia and the, and the, you know, the, the, the government issued stuff. It, it was just, it was perfect. It was so perfect. And, uh, that was another thing I was, I was looking at too. He was, he was, um, in, in comics, like every what you got, every frame is different, right? Or, or in, the, in the new cartoons, like older cartoons, you would have the same frame played for like, you know, four or five or ten, I forget what it is. But in in the Spider Verse, like everybody else is, it's a new image every frame, right? Just slightly different, right? But with him, he was a new image every third frame, so it's like. It, it was a little bit of a lag and you get to see that. I mean, and it's just, it was so awesome the way they did that because they, they gave it that, that old, you know, um, I don't know, British invasion type fill, but spider punk, I mean, his, his whole line from when Mayday Parker, you know, you know, drops a turd in her diaper and he's like, yeah, there you go. You know, you want to crap on the establishment. I like you. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, by the way, I quit. <laughs> and, you know, he even helped miles realize something about his venom sting, which is interesting because he doesn't have a venom sting. Or maybe they were watching Miles Morning and they let on, but he's like using his fingertips. He's like, no, use the whole hand. Use the whole hand, mate. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the fact that he's he's a guitar player and, and you know, uh, Gwen's his drummer. And, you know, she left his, her, her toothbrush over there. Oh, man. Um, I he was, he was just a lot of fun. And he just, you know, it's, uh, what is it? Uh, Rage Against the Machine, you know? That's he's he's everywhere. So I'm gonna have to go with that one. What about you, Joe? <laughs> I was like, which one are you picking, bro? <laughs> like I'm, I'm like, which one? <laughs> but I'm I'm with you, dude. Um I like Miles Morales, I like Gwen, I like the Peter Parker, the one with the baby. But I what really made me like Spider Spider Punk is one, he looked badass. And two, like, when everybody, like, what makes what makes me, like, from, this is from what my drivers tell me. What makes me a good supervisor is I'm not like the rest. And whenever there's a mass of upper management trying to tell me you should do it this way and everyone else is conforming, I'm in the background going, I'm not with it. That's just not me. I'm not going to do that. And that, so for me, I gravitate to Spider-Punk when he had said that when everyone's trying to tell him he needs to stay the course and do it this way. And this dude's like, uh, you know, when he, when he, when he says, I'm not going to do it, I'm going to do my own thing. He's like this. Yeah, mate. You know? And then like, he keeps talking, like he runs and he goes like this, you know what, dude, I'm out of this joint. This is my, I quit. And he leaves. And that's why I like him because he, he just sees like, yo, this is messed up, bro. Like, you guys paint a picture that is good like this and it's really not. And so he kind of like can see through all that. And uh, when he knows, when he sees it's uh, when something's wrong, he's like, I'm out, dude. And then he gives Gwen, Gwen the bracelet that he's like, cause he knows, like, I like to do that where I plan ahead. And I think ahead. So when someone comes up, they're like, Oh, I didn't, I didn't think you think about that because she, she was stuck until she saw homeboy with the note that says, yo, you're going to need this. And I thought that was pretty cool. So for me, you know, it's it's definitely Spider Punk. Although I like the other ones too, but as of right now, I like Spider Punk. Yeah, and, and you know, he had um when he quit, he threw his bracelet or his his little yeah his bracelet, and he's like, "I'm out." He quit. I quit, and he leaves. So earlier they had a conversation with Miles, and he's like, "He's like, well, I need this bracelet so that I can come see my friends and this and that." And he's like, "Well, why don't you just make your own?" And that's what happened. The one that he sent that he left with uh, you know captain stacy you open it up that wasn't the same one that gwen was wearing originally that one you know it, it had the studs on it, it had the spikes it was all punk rock but he made it himself so somewhere down the line he's got to be like one of those 
engineer brains like Peter Parker is. One of the things that you guys were talking about is Spider Punk. He's got himself the guitar, and music plays a big role, at least in the first one. Um, what do you guys think of the music in this second one, Alfonso? Um, I, I liked it a lot. I mean, um, there was some new stuff. Of course, I'm not as hip with the music as most because I live in the 80s and 90s, apparently, 70s, 60s. But <laughs> um, it, it, it always it, it it's almost like a James Gunn movie where it's, you know the music is a character, and you know everybody's got their own little anthems, and and I think it hit hard and it hit well. Um, I can't really put my finger on very many of the the songs and stuff, but like it was just I was grooving with them at the time. You know, even even when uh, when Prowler came out and he puts the record on just like he did in the first movie, and it's like yeah, yeah, and then. Um, but there were there were certain times where like when you introduce somebody, when you introduce somebody, like their music hits, or like when something big happens, like you get that that um dun, 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 dun. and and it was like, oh man, it just it, it, it hits you right in the feelings for the for the nostalgia from the first movie, which wasn't that long ago. But still it's just like, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's where it's at, right? Um, I it's such a big part of it. I gotta check out the soundtrack. Joe, you're hip and musically inclined. What did you think of the music in this? Uh, I thought it was good. I mean, it, it's like the last movie, the music was good. My son was asking me, which one did you find better as far as like the Prowler's entrance movie or uh, when he could scene when he would come in or Miguel's? And if you listen to it, it almost sounds similar. But it's like a different kind of, I don't know instrument used you know it goes like it's it's a different kind of sound but it almost sounds very similar but it sounds like nah they sound different but i'm like ah it's kind of like that vanilla ice thing where he, he was saying dun, 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 dun. mine goes dun, 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 dun. It just, but it's the same it's basically the same sound but yeah i i, I thought it was pretty cool like i like the the i really like when miguel like his music when it came out but Nothing beats the Prowler one. Well, you guys have made me feel like I've uh, completely overlooked the music because I didn't really find anything special about it. I think I'm going to have to download the soundtrack and maybe check it out again. Uh, I actually have a few songs from the first one that I use on my workout playlists. Uh, so I like the first soundtrack a lot. But uh, yeah, this just didn't do anything for me. I didn't notice like, oh, wow, Prowler's got his own his own jam there and you know i guess if it's not limp biscuit or corn or britney spears then i just don't appreciate it so i'm gonna have to listen again you lost us at um limp biscuit bro limp biscuit is better than everyone <laughs> in the 90s <laughs> it's just one of those days so, uh, including with that, I felt for, you know, Alfonso talked about the uh, three frames per second versus the milliseconds per seconds and the uh, midi-chlorians, excuse me, the midi-chlorians. Um, the art, for me, I noticed the art more in this movie than I did in the first one, maybe just because Spider-Punk stood out so much. Uh, how'd you guys feel about the art in this one? Yeah, Um I mean, the art was great. To me, I didn't see um, as much difference between a lot of the Spider-Man. Because, I mean, there were so many. There were so many out there. So it's like they all had that same kind of appeal. And you always had one that stood out. Like at one point, they used the old 60s Spider-Man. And, and like, he gets, you know, they go right by him because he's like in 2D or something. And then they they even used like the old, uh, it's not the 90s. Maybe it was a 2000 Spider-Man. He got to have a little say-so. And like you could tell he's a little shorter than everybody. His art style was definitely different. Um, that, that uh, what was it? The cyber Spider-Man. You know, he's got like all like the, ro you know, the robot side and the, the guns and everything is much bigger. His, his artwork was a little different. It was good. But what I really enjoyed about the first movie is that, every single Spider-Man had a completely different art style and they got it to all merge at once. Now, totally great with when you're dealing with five or six characters, right? But when you're dealing with hundreds and I don't know, I, I'm, I'm curious to see if there's a count out there, you know, some of them are going to overlap, you know, in different multiverses, you know, things are so very similar. Um, 
you know, of course, Ben Riley, he had, he had his own little art style too, but um, it, it was, it was really good. I, I, I could see why they couldn't do more, but I was completely, completely stoked with it. Even like when they're doing the Gwen Stacy, you know, uh, storyline with her, with her father at the beginning, they just kept doing different color shifting, you know, like all of a sudden her hair is blue, but everything shifted with that, you know, it's like as if she was in a shadow or something like, you know, that, that blue dress, gold dress thing that they had way back then. But it, it was just such a, such an artistic choice with that. And it really, it really gave you a lot of feeling. My daughter was with me and of course she's an artist and she's like, I can't even explain it to you, dad. You'd never understand. And I'm like, all right, fine. I won't understand. I go like, I can appreciate art. I've been appreciating art my whole life. You can explain it to me. No, no. Your feeble little mind couldn't handle it <laughs> as if she was speaking with Black Bolt's voice or something. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, pretty much the teenager mantra is you wouldn't understand. Uh, one of the things you talked about was like the, the shorter Spider-Man. And I feel like that is a really good showing of what they did there because my son, he's like, oh, that was spectacular Spider-Man. And I said, what, what a who? And he's like, oh, spectacular Spider-Man, you stupid old man. Don't you know who that is? <laughs> it's like, no. But the cool thing is they gave us a Spider-Man for every generation. You know, to your point, Alfonso, the 60s Spider-Man was like 2D, right? And then they had spectacular Spider-Man, who apparently is like Gen Z and millennial Spider-Man. I don't know. He looked pretty whack to me. Whack, y'all. Um, but then, you know, the 90s, uh, Ben Riley, that was my dude. And then, obviously, Spider-Punk uh, appeals to a completely different generation. So they did a really good job of, like, you know, tipping the hat or, you know, whatever your generation was, whatever Spider-Man that you have. Not only did they give you that Spider-Man, but they gave him that artistic style to reflect what you remember and love. Yeah, the, even the Indian Spider-Man was dope. I mean, we haven't touched on that. Like, he has, like, his almost like Miss Marvel uh, bracelets. I like how they did that. And they were using that as his swings. I, I, I liked the, you know, like when they would do scenes with Gwen, like looking in the, you know, in the window at her, at her dad in there and it shifts from her costume and it goes bam right into her without the costume. It's just her face. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. Like, like every, every character had a different kind of art. You know, that was cool. Cause they brought in the prowler from the um, Spider-Man. Yeah. No, uh, no way home. Like it just confirmed he ends up being the prowler. And it also confirms that there could be a Miles Morales there, you know? Um, so, it, you know, it gives you like stuff like, you know, you're just like, yes, you know, like the spectacular Spider-Man. When I saw him, I was like, Oh, you know what I mean? And then the 70s Spider-Man, you know, it was just pretty cool. Like, what is this an intervention? I thought that was pretty cool. It's pretty funny, but they really made Miguel O'Hara like, a, a total douche in a sense <laughs> you know what i mean but you know i enjoy i enjoy the art very much dude donald glover or childish gambino as he's he's called in the streets <laughs> that was so awesome but he was an actual person in this cartoon right um and then we can't forget the lego spider-man there was a whole lego spider-man scene dude that was i just found out that was done by a 14 year old a 14-year-old kid made that whole Lego Spider-Man portion of the movie. I'm like, what? What? Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's like, it's great. It's it's amazing. It's spectacular. It's web of. The idea that they'll give a 14-year-old a chance to do that, that's just like super cool, you know? Um, So I, I would say that it's one of those things where you can tell that I don't know the director of the movie producers, anything like that, but they put a lot of heart into this movie as far as it just wasn't, they weren't trying to make money. You know, obviously they knew it would be successful. They knew that it would bring in people, but it didn't feel like I'll say a lot of movies, especially animated movies, especially sequels. It just feels like a money grab, you know, like, Oh, the first one made money. We'll just, we'll give you exactly the same template as before. This in no way felt like that, which is awesome. One of the things that you guys talked about, the first Spider-Man died, which meant that, you know, basically Miles Morales uh, took his place and and uh, Miguel O'Hara said he wasn't supposed to be there. But the thing is, that's what happened in the 1610 universe, which was the ultimate universe. Clearly, Miguel's wrong. 
you know, regardless of, hey, maybe there's an anomaly or something like that. But in Miles's universe, Peter Parker died, you know, so that just follows along perfectly with the comic book. And the thing is, in the movie, they frequently throw down copies of the comic books, which that says, like, this is my universe. And that happened in that universe. So, um, you know, clearly Miguel's wrong as far as uh, Miles affecting that universe because i guess if he did kind of like to joe's point it would opened up a big hole in the ground like it did in uh in indian spider-man's universe as far as villains go i like miguel o'hara i didn't like spot at all he was just he was whiny not only was he whiny i felt like his story was contrived like oh we need a way to have all this happen so there was this guy who was there when the collider went off and he got some powers. Boom. Started the movie. I didn't like him, but I love Miguel O'Hara. How about you, Alfonso? Okay. First of all, Miguel O'Hara is not a bad guy, dude. Just because he's a vampire, he sucks a little bit of blood, which I don't recall at all. I read probably the first year, first 12 issues of uh, Spider-Man 2099. Do not remember him being a vampire. So that kind of threw me. I was like, Ooh, hey. <laughs> um, but um, the spot I, I actually really enjoyed. I mean, visually, the the fight scene between between him and Miles and Miles like not even being phased by it. That's how much of a pre professional he was. Was like beyond. I mean, because like he would throw a punch and he's like, "What? Oh, hands over here!" Just pull his head back, right? You know, and then he'd shoot through, shoot his webs through, and he'd pull a pile of trash on him. I really liked the spot the way it was. Um, definitely somebody who wasn't meant to be a supervillain, somebody who wasn't planning on being a supervillain, and he just had it thrust upon him, and he did what he could. I mean, you know, he had to make ends meet, and he had to steal some money, right? Um, I love the fact that it was the bagel guy, because that scene where they're running through the cafeteria, and he's like, I'm going to grab a bagel, and he throws the bagel at the guy, hits him in the head, and says, bagel. That was so hilarious to me. I mean, me and Emma just sat there, and we wound it like three or four times, watching it over and over, bagel, bagel, bagel. Hilarious. And I'm like, it's the bagel guy. I love that guy, right? Um, and then he got to power up. So I was totally cool with that. I mean, you, you had other villains in the movie too. Like, uh, I'm, of course, the Prowler. Uh, Miles Morales is the Prowler. You had the Vulture. Um, the Leonardo da Vinci Vulture was amazing. You know, it's like, hey, maybe you don't want to be using fire. You're kind of made out of paper, right? Because it was basically like a big scroll. Scroll, S-C-R-O-L-L, -L, not scroll like the upcoming uh, Marvel scroll empire evasion whatever um but it, it was funny to think about that because you know you've got the vulture out of time and place and then if you if anybody watched morbius which i had to like i had to do it i had to watch it and the end credit scene you see uh michael keaton the vulture in jail and it's like well wait a minute this these universes aren't connected how did he get there so you know begs to believe like this whole event that's going on with with the spider-man universes and the colliders did they take maybe maybe all the vultures are out of place like you know it's like each one shifted to a different universe so it's it's a possibility so you might see more of the vultures um i know like they showed the rhino that was sent sent back i can't recall who else was being sent back in those in those cages there was a prowler of course but um but my, you know finally we got some sort of semblance of an explanation for michael keaton being in that morbius movie you know um what other bad guys I mean, can you think of any other bad guys joe no i just i mean just really those two that you touched on uh i i'm okay with spot let me explain why i'm okay with spot because when he says i created you spider-man right in the backfire is he's getting notoriety everybody knows who he is it looks to him he looks like he's living the life of a, a hero with powers where he gets affected with spots and he doesn't like it and everyone makes fun of him. And so that's where the jealousy comes in. You not only did you make me this way, you won't acknowledge that I created you and you won't acknowledge that I'm the, the reason why you're where you're at. And so I, I get the whole thing of where spot comes from. And, and, and that's why I'm okay with him being like a villain because miles kind of created him. Even they both kind of created each other. So I thought that was pretty cool. As Alfonso was talking, I suddenly had this revelation, right? And uh, I definitely want to hear Joe's perspective on this because 
Joe often talks about Dave Filoni as the person who's like fixing Star Wars, right? And as Alfonso's talking about how this movie kind of bridges one of the problems with the Morbius movie, you know, like, well, how do you get there, right? And we were talking about like, well, suddenly they're going back to calling the MCU one nine 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 nine, right? So I'm wondering if this movie which I don't know why they would do it in a Sony-owned movie instead of a Marvel-Disney-owned movie. But does it feel like this movie is trying to fix mistakes that happened in Phase 4? I could, I could definitely see that. I mean, you know, there's so many there were so many holes that people were, you know, dumbfounded with. And, and I don't know if they're taking it upon themselves and like, we're, we're going to fill these holes and you're just like, going to have to deal with it because we said it. So it happened because our movie was more popular mm -hmm. or did Marvel give them the go ahead? I'm curious if Marvel gave them the go ahead or they're just like, we're going to fix it for you. We, we got this. Don't worry. It's phase four. We're going to take care of this. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure they, you know, I don't know. Does Kevin, is Kevin Foggy part of this or is he just the Spider-Man with Tom Holland's? It's a, it's associated, you know, it's like, yeah, right? an associate. yeah, so I don't know. That's why I'm wondering. Well, this is what I like. In the beginning of the movie, it, it says comic book red approved. Right. Which is dope because the writer is doing its best to be as close as he can to the comics. To your point, Alan, is why they kept doing in the issues. This is what we're talking about. Every issue, every time something happened, that's the issue, the number in the story and my question is to, i give it to you guys and it blows my mind why is sony hitting their two spider-man movies out the park one they didn't do it so much later on i i would say you know spider-man 3 and then most people didn't approve of andrew garfield's amazing spider-man 1 and 2 so everyone kind of just thinks spider-man 1 and 2 would told me regards as far as before the Tom Holland came out, that was the best Spider-Man. So it's how is Sony making better movies with those two and animation department with the storytelling better than all of phase four? Like Kevin Feige was good. You know, you know what I mean? Like Marvel, Disney, what are you guys doing? Sony is just hitting out of the park and they only have one character and they're doing it right. They're doing it. So right. Would you give? Would you give? Would you be happy if if Marvel took back Spider Man, or are you just happy with them and Sony? Because Sony's doing a better job with them. I'll break this into two parts. The first part is the reason Joel. You often say that DC makes great animation, and until recently, Marvel makes better movies. And I'm gonna say Sony falls in the same category. Sony has made some trash. I mean, look at the to the two venoms uh look at um morbius thank you thank you so i mean here's the problem animation is not expensive to make therefore compared to a live action movie special effects everything of that nature so like let's say you're going to spend a hundred million as opposed to five million when you're spending five million as opposed to a hundred million people leave you alone they just let you do your job. They let you do what you're good at. They don't come in and say, oh, we need to add this. and Oh, we're planning on this. And oh, we're building a universe, right? So Sony allowed the people who made this animated movie to just do it right, which is what happens at DC. DC just kills it and has killed it for years on the animation because people left them alone. Nobody was on their back. But what happened when DC came in and started making animated or excuse me, live action movies. Oh, it had to be this way. You have to introduce this character. You have to put this person in the movie, even though they don't fit. So that's the reason is because animation is a more pure art form. And I hate to say that because I'm not a fan of animated movies. So that's the first point. And I'll get to you just one second, Alfonso, because I got a second point. Second point is I still want my Spider-Man to be in the MCU. Alfonso. Yeah, those guys, those guys, whatever they got going on, they're doing something right. So they're like, 
like the Dave Filoni, the the one that's you know doing the research and finding out what what what's what. You know, they have the they have the answers before they start making the movie. And I think people need to really consider the source material when you're making these movies, and you can't just go off and try to like all of a sudden like oh yeah, Michael Morbius is you know it, it just they got to do it right. And then I'm also you know it's like what's Craven the Hunter going to be like? I mean, Sony has been really hit and miss. You know. They're hitting fine with Spider-Man, but of course it's associated with Marvel. Marvel's got a big hand in that. Uh, the Spider-Verse, I'm not sure how much Marvel has in hand in that. But everything they've done on their own to try to be like, oh, yeah, we got we got this universe. We're going to make money here. They're not. So it, they got to realize that they need to come together. They, they can't be doing this stuff separately. Marvel and Sony or whoever they got at Sony, things. it's not too late. It's not too late. We could save the multiverse. I'm looking forward to the next one, the third one. I hope they don't turn this into like, oh, a fourth one. And, you know, uh, May Parker, you know, the baby May Parker has a spinoff and they could do it, but I don't want that. It's like this Miles Morales story is so perfect. I feel like let's put a cap on this. Let's put a book in on this and just be done with it. We don't need no prequels. We don't need no side quests, nothing like that. You know, we don't need a Hobbs and Shaw for uh, this franchise. I, I you know, it, he's got his own team now. You know, my, it's not just Miles now. So Miles has got Penny Parker back. He's got Peter Porker. He's got Spider-Man Noir. He's got uh, he's got a couple newbies in with them, too. Um, oh, my gosh. Who am I missing? It doesn't matter. I got Spider-Punk. Yeah, Spider-Punk. With Spider-Punk, you can do anything, right? Um, I, I can't see them failing. I can't. I, you know, I... I didn't really think this one was going to fail. I, I was super stoked for it. I mean, I, I guess I have a lot of high expectations over a lot of things. I mean, sometimes I worry a little bit, but with Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse, I, I don't foresee them, you know, missing this. They, they've got so much, you know, you've got, now you've got a spider team versus a spider conglomerate. And of course that, that Spider-Man conglomerate team is going to be like, you know, they're going to see the light and slowly, but surely they're going to, their team is going to start, you know, adding up, you know, it's Morales's team. And Miguel O'Hara, I mean, he's not a bad guy. He's just broken. You know, he can be fixed. He can he can have a second chance. You know, he he can come back. He because he's when it comes down to it, you're gonna have all these Peter Parkers being like, why do we got Miguel O'Hara in charge? We're Peter Parkers, right? Miles is looking a little bit better to us. Let's have Miles put in charge. <laughs> but one way or another, I I don't think it's gonna be bad. I I can't wait to see what's gonna happen with this. Um, it would be interesting to see a few deaths, you know, other than captains and, and uncles and aunts, maybe a couple of Spider-Man biting the bullet. I guess in the first movie you did have a Peter Parker that died. So that, that started off was like, Whoa, this is real. <laughs> How about you guys? Uh, one additional thing, uh, Peter Parker, six, one, six will probably appear in the third one because why would you blow it sooner? Right. It, just drop him in the third one. Um, I don't want Miguel O'Hara to have this sudden change of heart. I don't want a redemption arc. Maybe he dies. That's fine. But let's have a villain be a villain and not try to, you know, at the last minute, well, this is why he needs to be empathetic. No, let's save those empathetic villains for uh, for phase four Marvel. You know, let's just have a villain be straight up. Just I'm mad and I don't want you to be happy. Joe, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I really don't consider him that much of a villain like you do. So he, I don't think he needs a change of arc, to your point. I just think that there, it's going to conclude. He's going to end up proving Miguel like, you know, it's what you make it. You might think it's canon, but you can change it and things will be okay. It's going to be – I'm curious how they're going to do that. So – is it going to be to your point where you say he's not an anomaly? He's just, it's canon. And that was supposed to happen. It's going to be, Miguel, this is what's supposed to happen. You think I'm an anomaly, but this is supposed to happen this way. That's why my earth didn't get destroyed. That's why the Miles Morales where he's at as a prowler didn't get destroyed. So not everything that you say has to be canon the way you want it to be. And I think the third movie is going to prove that it doesn't have to be the same canon. It could be different. Because if you look at all of them are Peter Parker, except for him. Like, is Spider-Punk, is he Peter Parker? 
No, he's uh, Toby Brown, I believe. Yeah, you see, you see what I mean? Like, and then you got Gwen. So it's, and then you got the animated spider. I don't remember her name. The animation spider girl. So, yeah, I mean, so it's everything's changed. So, you know, I think he's going to prove that everything doesn't have to always happen the same thing. That's what's different about a multiverse. Things are different. It's not supposed to be the same. And this concludes this episode of the Nerd World Order broadcast. So until next time, ladies, gentlemen, and nice of the Nerd World Order, I am NWO. We are NWO. Nerd redefined. It's all about the booyah.